0: Welcome back. You're listening to another episode of The Todd Donald Show, a weekly podcast where artists and performers go to chat about nothing. Hosted by Canadian singer-songwriter Todd Donald.
1: Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to The Todd Donald Show, and I am your host. This is part two with Abed Gaif. Now, when we recorded the first one, we were about to do a panel for Frequency 101. That's Channel 101's audio-only sibling, both uh, being monthly mini-show festivals where anyone can submit a pilot, and anyone can vote for the five that continue, cancelling the rest, and so forth. Channel101.com, at Channel 101, official on Instagram, Twitch, and whatnot. More on that in a few seconds. So Abed and I recorded part one, which is on this podcast stream. On the 20th. And we reconvened the day of the episode seven Twitch stream and vote tally, which was the 28th of February. And so, yeah, almost a month later, you're gonna hear this. We spent some time focused on Abbott's creative life from Friends and Lovers and legendary Channel 101 shows like House of Cosby's, traveling all the way to Frequency 101's episode uh, of uh, Enter the Dark and the Seven That Follow It. There's a little cameo in this, by the way, by Sevan Nigerian. Keep your ears peeled. Speaking of Enter the Dark, speaking of Frequency 101, and speaking of character crossover, stripper squad, counterintelligence, ghosters, hyper fuck-faced, Charles and Chesty, that's my show, The Ballad of Low Voice and High Voice, and Local Legend, these are the nine five-minute audio shows that you get to vote for right now. Step one, listen to the damn thing. There's a link to Frequency 101 episode 8 for March 2021 in the episode notes to this very podcast episode. Or search Frequency 101 on Apple Podcasts or whatever you get them on, subscribe to that shit, and listen to all of the tasty shows for this month. In the episode notes for that podcast, the March 2021 episode in particular is step two. That's where you, the listener, vote. It's the voting link, obviously. Get those votes in by Sunday the 28th, and then watch the Twitch screening this Sunday night at 8 p.m. Pacific or 11 p.m. Eastern Time. Not only will you get to hear the Frequency 101 audio screening, but you can see the episode artwork, participate in the chat, and it's all followed by a Q&A chat session with the show creators. Sevan and Abbott will be there. Andrew and Brandon from Ghosters for sure will be there. Maybe I'll be there. Uh, maybe David Seager will pop in. Who knows? Maybe I'll have a a really cool Lifelike Predator costume from the 1987 John McTiernan movie. I mean, I don't have one, but I'm I'm trying to get you excited. That'll be on twitch.tv slash channel 101 official. And hey, if you spend some time on that, Twitch, at times that are not, this coming Sunday night, there's all kinds of sweet video streams, each of which is a great introduction to channel 101 for those of you whom. I talked to about it emphatically, but haven't gotten around to absorbing enough of it yet. So with that, we're back with Abed on this, the Todd Donald Show. And there's some music in it by the band Warpaint, which Abed and I chatted about later on. Um, Music by my friend, an amazing singer, songwriter, producer, and more recently podcaster, um, Rob Zabo. And in the middle... Um, you're going to hear the first episode of Enter the Dark from September's Frequency podcast, and I'll include links. I just don't feel like recording intro tracks for those. I teed them up now in this very long intro, and info will be in the episode notes. Do me a favor and be the nerd that checks out the episode notes for links or follows TDS on social media, all right? I'm not getting paid for this. Anyway, sorry. So we're back with Abed. He's a writer, actor, show creator, a uh, character name giver and super nice guy. I consider him a pal. Please welcome my guest, Abed Gaith. Well, I do want to say, um, I mean, fuck, I loved chatting about pop culture. I like the idea of like having people on to chat on this without it being too agenda ridden. I also love the guests enough to want there to be the agenda of getting to know them. And so we talked a lot about, we crossed into Star Trek and uh, I think Disney. And I love that stuff. And I won't stop that from happening, but I want to put a focus on on Abed
2: today. Definitely.
3: Um, you're right. Let's uh, uh, let's focus on whatever you need to focus on. If Seinfeld
1: comes up, I will not stop either of us from talking about our favorite episode or whatever. Not to make an interview with, or chat with you, to 101 Center. Festivus, by the way. Right? <laughs> I'd like to know if you haven't already talked about it. What is it about Frequency 101 that's got you back into the the monthly rush of making things apart from maybe the pandemic? Whereas the last Channel 101 show you did, I think, was 2013. A little sketch. Yeah,
3: I know. Um, I I kept wanting to get back into the ring. And I almost did a few times at 101. And, And it really was, I might have talked about this last time, but my dad lives with me. At the time, my brother also was living with me. I was miserable because my dad was always on the couch. And I just had my room was like my only place to be alone. And I was losing my marbles. It's like you're 17 again. You're stuck with your brother and your dad. So Savon has this apartment up above his studio, whole separate building here at his house. So I was staying up there. I was on cloud nine. I had a pile of comics, Amazon Prime and Disney Plus, I had a fucking beautiful uh, Mac to play with. Uh, my laptop, I had, it was just heaven, you know, and I, I privacy, I had privacy, I had my own kitchen, my own bathroom, my own bed, my own like space. It felt so wonderful to be alone. And in that environment, Savon was downstairs. So I would always come downstairs and hang out with him. And we just were like, let's do this. Let's make a fucking frequency show. Yeah. And we started off doing something silly that was sort of fucking around. I was also watching Lost again. I love Lost. I was like, I just love this feeling it gives me of excitement because of the mystery and the whole concept of like people being stranded somewhere and like left to their own devices of like their personality. So – and also my Twin Peaks obsession is a little bit part of it. But we just started kicking stuff around and then we had that old script that re really rejuvenated. It all just fell into place. And the first episode really was, I'm so proud of it. I'm so proud of where it, where it ended up.
1: For the listener, we're talking about Enter the Dark, which is your and Savant's Frequency 101 show, which is at this moment. Oh well, fuck, people are going to be hearing this in March. Isn't it seventh, sixth or seventh?
3: It, we just finished six and right. it's, uh, it's up. And uh, it's the end of the first season, actually.
1: I like that. I was going to comment on how, like, oh, how, how, how BBC Radio 4 of you, like the six episode series. Because <laughs> Mighty Boosh and fucking uh, Flight of the Concord started off as BBC radio shows.
3: That's so true. And uh, we always imagined this could probably be animated. Like, like writing it, we have that in mind kind of thing. Like we can turn this into another media.
1: You know a lot of animators. who, who Whose style do you think would oh, fit it
3: best? I mean, a dream team, because they're all working on other stuff. I, I'd want Mike Chillion. I'd want Steven Chun, who worked with us on uh, House of Cosby's. I'd want Callie, but she's going to want like more of a higher position, but I want her to do design. She, even though she won't want to do that, that's what she's good at. Maybe she will. I don't know. And I want Dan O'Connor, who's a friend of mine, even though he's – He can be a bull in the China shop. Like, I love... He worked with me on Rick and Morty. He's good. Andrew DeLang, who worked with us on Pop, but he doesn't even animate anymore. (laughs) I mean, I would just want to bring back a dream team of people that, back in the day, they were all people I came up with, you know? Right on. That would probably be... And and some new uh, hotshot, who's just amazing and kicking ass. I I wouldn't even know. It's like some kid.
1: The guy who made that... Channel 101, we could do what we wanna. And he just did something recently for the newest episode of Trading Up, which is still fairly new. I like that that style too. Anyway, I'll cut that out. Going back
3: to the beginning, how did you first get involved in 101? That's a really funny story because I was living in LA. I was working at Sharon Osborne's talk show with Savon, and I was a PA. I think he was the tape librarian. Uh, at night we were just going to Justin's house and just goofing off. Uh, we made something called friends and lovers just like messing around one day. We just like, Oh yeah. We made something called the tiger wizard in the suitcase, which was like a cartoon. It was like lion, the witch, in the wardrobe, but like our style. Yeah. My, my favorite memory of that was being and, and Justin inside of his car in the garage recording all the voices. <laughs> and, like, so you can imagine how like, It would just be like me talking as a British character, then Justin going like,
2: oh, Lucy, what do you mean? Like, I can't, oh, Lucy,
3: like I can't, I'm trying to do him, but it was so long ago, his voice has changed so much. Those were some fun times. We had all these things we were making. We put them on Justin's website, but nobody saw our stuff, just our friends. Right. It was just kind of falling on deaf ears. And then a friend of ours, he he found Sock Baby online and he sent it to us. Savon knew the people that made it. They were from Modesto, from our hometown. I knew Doug to Naples and the f- fact that Earthworm Jim he created it. Right. So we were like, "Oh, these are talented people. They're making stuff like we do. What is this Channel 101? We were checking it out. I come to find out that Rob Schrobs, the co creator. I was a big Scud fan. Right. You know, I was like obsessed with Scud before moving to LA. So we had Friends and Lovers three three episodes made. Right. Yeah. So we had them ready to go, but they were called, I think they were called I Want Serial. And um, we needed to give it a different name to submit it. We, we submitted the first one, which was pretty awful. Like the sound was bad. There was no title. We had to do a quick title page. We called it Rubies. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because we just yeah. didn't have a name for it. It was Captain Xandar. We had to name the characters. So we named it. Justin was Captain Xandar. And I think I was Topaz. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where these names, these idiot names came from. Topaz is a color. Uh, so we, we, we dub it onto a, a tape and then I went to deliver it to Rob Schraub's house. This was back when you had to hand deliver pilots, or like send them to Rob's yeah. house. Now Rob's not there. I look down the street and here comes Rob and a bunch of friends. And then Rob stops because he sees me at his door and I'm like waving and I'm like, I know what he looks like because I've, I've been reading Wizard Magazine my whole life.
1: Nice magazine.
3: And like he was prominently featured, an article about Scud. That's how I found his comic. So Same. I run towards him like, hey, Rob, I'm a big fan. I love uh, Scud. How's it going? His friends are like farther behind because they look worried. Because <laughs> <laughs> they don't know like R- – Rob, I think at this point, is afraid of Scud fans. So no. he sees me coming and he's like kind of scared. And then I start telling him like how big of a fan I am. I give him the one-on-one show. He told me later he thought that show was going to be garbage because I just seemed like a weirdo. Right. Because <laughs> you know I was like falling at his feet telling him how brilliant he was. And I was like, I used to read Scud. I love it. You're a genius. Blah, blah, blah. Here you go. Here's my show. Then you fast forward to them at the screen or at the panel meeting watching Friends and Lovers. All of them love it. Well, we had to ch- – they said – You have to change the name because there's another show called Ruby's on channel 101, which we didn't know. So we changed the name to Friends and Lovers. Then we we just became like part of the family. I mean, we kept getting Top Fail pilot, I think like five months in a row until like House of Cosby's was our big break. And that was like kind of a happy accident, that whole show. It wasn't planned. A thing where you're not planning to do this, and it just happens because one person makes a joke, the other person makes a joke. Little by little, it starts to formulate into like something. Right, and uh, there was like four of us, and we were doing Cosby voices and making each other laugh.
1: I can't say I knew it was legendary back when because I I didn't get into 101 until 2012. And while I'm not the authority on this, I know that there have been people, multiple times I've heard people go like, when I first saw House of Cosby's, I was like, holy shit. Uh, It's legendary.
3: It was all born out of fun, friendship, silliness, an obsession with Bill Cosby, an obsession with Fat Albert, an obsession with Smurfs, an obsession with like sitcoms. All of those things combined, plus Justin's madness, plus my dumb like, like when I when I'm with Justin, I just supply him in his madness. Like I am sort of like an enabler. A, con-
1: a conductor. So if something
3: that he says, conductor exactly. If something something he says is like no one gets it, I kind of throw in my two cents, and then we're like off to the races. And everyone's like, oh my god, this is funny. We, me and him work so well together. That's what that was. It was just all these right elements combined and all of it just was magical because I mean, I don't think we quite realized how much of an impact it was going to have. It was like I said, just goofing off and having fun, making each other laugh. It's like, you don't set out to make something that's going to have that large of a, of a reception. Right. Cause I think we'd all be constantly doing that. So it was a magical thing where I think we were all on a, on a roll We were making cartoons left and right. And then it was just like that was number four, cartoon number four. You know what I mean? Right. So we got to that point from the other stuff, not quite working. Uh, We couldn't get the formula right. It was a combination of the 101 style and just learning that you can tell the entire origin of the show in a theme song so that when people see the theme song, they get it. It's like House of Cosby's. He's a Cosby fan. He cloned Bill Cosby. They're all over the house. Each one has a different personality. That's all in the song. It's a house of Cosby's at the end. Like I co-wrote the theme song because I was like, we just have to describe. It's like pitching the show, you know, to like a network. It's like, here's the show. It just all kind of felt like a team. You know, then it it tore us apart, you know, uh, the work, the pressure, uh, Justin's insanity, insanity. Uh, my laziness and not being able to do like what I should be able—I should have been a another savant, but I wasn't skilled as much as he was. You know, the, it, 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 it's it's like you can only burn so bright for so long. Right. You know what I mean? Because that first one is really magical. Second one feels like it's still fun, but something's moving away. And then like, I think the third episode is like too much shit is happening. Like I've always felt that it gets away from us Mm -hmm. because we should have kept the insanity of the first one intact where it's just a sitcom, you know, and crazy shit's happening. I think I got mad because Justin wanted to go into like other universes and evil Cosby's and like huge wars between factions. And I'm like, keep it in the house. Let's make it fucking dumb and simple. That's what I wanted to do more of. But Like I said, the notoriety we were getting was making us all crazy. You know, everyone had a different idea of what to do. Yeah. It's like we weren't really a functional band. So at that point, of course, there's going to be fights. There's going to be like regrets. There's going to be like, fuck you. You don't tell me what to do. I know what to do. I'm better than you or like that kind of shit or like abid you're fucking distracting us get the fuck out of here uh use the bathroom across the street like there was a fight about that because i flushed three times i think and justin was counting my flushes why do you have to flush three times and i'm like dude uh i don't want to say why and he's like use the bathroom across the street we Um, were just around each other so much that it, it became like you're cooped up in this cage and you're just all fighting, you know, the whole time.
4: Right. F- Familiar. <laughs> so it's not
3: funny anymore. Right. <laughs> Plus, well, like the pressure of making that, every month. you know,
1: yeah. Like, and not just making it, but then, also the right. anticipation, I guess, of a positive result at the end of the month.
3: Yes. And uh, a good friend died during um, the process. So we were all wrecked. Also, she was living with me and, I was not as nice as I should have been to her. I was sort of a dick because Justin dumped her in my lap and I didn't really have room for her and her friend. And they lived with me and it was awkward because looking back, I feel horrible that like I wasn't nicer to her and that I talked to her mom like when she died like for a long time about her, Julie Self. It was sad because her mom's like, you have no idea how much she loved you. She was like, she talked about you all the time. And I was like, felt horrible. I wasn't super mean. I let her stay there, but I treated her like she was in my way. You know what I mean? Like, like I can't have you living here. It's like, I'm gonna get my landlord's my landlord yelled at me. They're like, you have more people living in your house. And I'm like, no, no, it's just me. She's my girlfriend or something. (laughs) And then my (laughs) landlord's like, no, 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 there's two other people in that apartment. You know what I mean? Like it was not but then Justin couldn't have her at his place either. So yeah. That was that was crazy. That was like something that's and I, when, when you lose somebody, you don't really realize until I think two days later, it sinks in and I just couldn't work. I couldn't eat or sleep. I was like devastated because right. this person was gone. But she co-wrote like House of Cosby's too. Wow. She might have come up with the Lonely Island group, like their names, those characters. Really? They did three Cosby voices. Right. And I think she came up with who they were, like Hummingbird Cosby, Toothpaste Cosby, Oh, uh, elect was it electro? Co- he was like an electro guy. It was Yorma. Right. He looked like Electro from Spider Man, but um, <laughs> electricity Cosby. It must have been because I'm like, what? What the fuck was he called? <laughs> I just it's, I can't remember. That was episode. Th- that was two or three. I can't remember. They they both blend together for me. Mm-hmm. Like it's hard to remember wh- what happens in which one. But uh, yeah, that was devastating. That whole thing was was not normal. We also got approached by MTV. And uh, we were about to sell it. Then Cosby's lawyers sued us, (laughs) uh, and we had to stop making it.
1: I'm trying to remember where they they made Dan.
3: They made Dan what? They made Dan take it off the website. Okay, Dan had to take it off the website or suffer the wrath of Cosby's lawyers. Who at the time were scary because they right. were coming at us pretty hard. And like Dan was trying to explain, look, these people aren't making any money off your your thing. Which actually we kind of were because we were getting a deal with MTV. So, right. I mean, yeah, that was helping.
1: <laughs> That's crazy.
3: So it's a whole saga. It's yeah, whole really. Saga. We, I feel like that would be a good documentary. Um, there's just so much shit that went into that. And there's a lot of people who went on to brilliant careers from that, ex- being involved with that. Uh, Savon being one. Mike Chillion, Stephen Chun. I mean, they're all talented I'm animator. House of Cosmies. Like, that's such a saga, man. There's like, that right there is a whole podcast for you. Is that Shit, whole story. Yeah, because yeah, it has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And it all leads up to drama and of kind of like everything getting shut down, you know, like the, the shop closing. There was also a guy, he did music for us. And he got pissed because we started making DVDs of all our stuff. And we put House of Cosby's on there. And we were selling the DVD at conventions. This guy caught wind of it. He complained to Justin, like, you guys owe me money. And then Justin was like, we haven't sold barely any. The guy's like, bullshit. So he, like, quit doing music. And we had to get another guy to replace him.
2: (laughs) It was an April morning when the world went completely dark. We joined Leonard and his family... As they sit down to breakfast the morning, everything changed. Whoa, Becky, you're having breakfast with us? Yeah, whatever, you know, sometimes we spend a little too much time doing this family shit. Malachi, eat your fucking toast!
3: Come on, Becky, leave him alone. (laughs) He's our son.
2: Malachi, didn't I tell you to eat your fucking toast? But Bobby, I don't like toast! See, Leonard, you're turning our son into a giant pussy! I'm gonna have to beat the love out of him! Uh, I think it's an earthquake, but it's one of those cool earthquakes that brings a family together.
0: Daddy, there's a monster up there!
2: Whoa! Uh,
4: <coughs> it hurts! No! Uh, Malachi! My family.
2: <laughs> Why can't I see? Leonard found his way outside to discover that there was no light anywhere. Everything was dark. Hello? Oh, oh, Wh- who's there? What? Do you know what's going on? Who who are you?
4: Go away! I mean it I got weapons! Hey,
2: hey, look, we're we're all in this together. Fuck
4: you, man. I'm blind!
2: I can't see shit! I, I, I'm blind too. Get away from me! Oh shit! I gotta get out of here. Leonard crawled his way into a nearby library, which happened to be lit up. An oasis in the darkness. Oh, I, I can see. Oh, thank God.
0: Oh, great. Another white male.
2: I was blind, but I guess I'm fine now?
0: Oh, all of us are blind out there. But for some reason, we can all see in this library. Oh. Hi, I'm Roxy.
3: Becky?
2: You're alive?
1: No, you're confused. I'm Roxy. Why are you saying you You have blood on you. Are you hurt?
3: Uh, what? No, it, it's- Not mine. My... family was murdered.
2: Hey, guys! I got a great idea! Whoa! (laughs) Where'd
1: you come from?
3: I know this guy. He's blind. Now, the way I figure it, nothing has changed for him. And maybe he can help us out and, I don't know, get us some good drugs?
0: Whoa! Maybe he can hook us up with a dime bag of sight. What the fuck are you talking about?
2: I think we should listen to this drug addict. Uh, Actually, my name's Alfonso. Alfonso,
3: sorry. Why don't we go find your blind dealer? Maybe he could navigate us through this
2: dark hell.
0: Uh, count me out. I'm staying right here where I can see the world.
2: Brilliant. Let's get going. Tethered together, the three of them ventured out into the darkness. So, Roxy, (laughs) you look very familiar. Uh, have we met before? Yeah, just a couple hours ago.
3: No, no, no. Uh, you look so much like my dead wife.
2: I look like a corpse. Gee, thanks. Oh, come on,
3: please. Oh, my God, that was awkward. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not trying to say
2: you look like a corpse. Although, the look is in. <gasps> Monster! Run! <gasps> yeah. Oh, my God!
3: That, did you guys hear that? That was gross! Ah! Uh, watch it, guys! Why are you even running around out here? You know, there's a monster loose. You should find somewhere safe. Just not here. This is my alley. Charleston? Hey, it's me, Alfonso. I brought some friends with me. Hi. Hello. Uh, don't worry, man. They're cool. They all like to party. Alfonso? Boy, am I glad to hear you. It's time you paid me, motherfucker!
4: No! What the fuck? I can see all of a sudden? Whoa! Whoa! Me too. You killed him. You killed Charleston. He was going to somehow, what was the plan?
3: He was going to get us out of this. Dude, I had to. He was going to kill all of us. Plus, I mean, I could never repay him.
0: His life force must have restored our sight in this alley. Guys, you know what this means, right?
3: What it means is that we need to kill every blind person in the world.
2: Leonard and his new friends discovered an antidote for the darkness. As long as they kept healing the blind, the world would be restored, one small bubble at a time. Tonight's episode of Enter the Dark featured the talents of Matt Johnson, Kelsey Abbott, Jackie Buscarino, Mike Chillian, Savon Najarian, and Ahmed Gaith.
1: What was your favorite non-one-on-one gig? As far as television, film, creation, media.
3: Wow. Non-101 gig. Uh, Rick tequila? and Morty wasn't really fun. Oh, Tequila. Oh, um... Logging? Dude, Log- I, I would say when I logged on Hell's Kitchen, that was super fun. I can't count Rick and Morty because it's a part of 101 still. Right. So I'll say Hell's Kitchen. I worked with Eric Acosta. We were both loggers. And all we did was watch footage of Gordon Ramsay all day long. It was, like, it was such a fun job because... We were in this old CBS building. It used to be where they shot Gilligan's Island. We would just go exploring the building. Right. A lot of the offices were deserted; it looked like they haven't been touched since the seventies. And I found a picture of a softball game, and it was like Gutenberg, Tom Selleck, Ted Danson, Tony Danza, Kurt Cameron—all these like TV stars from the eighties were on this base softball team. Because wow. every time, Korean Abdul Jabbar. I was like looking at that picture, going like, "Holy shit! Holy shit! Look at that! It's Tom Hanks." I gave it to Justin, so it's hanging in his studio, like above his uh, where he works. Nice to this day. I'm curious, <laughs> but uh, uh, we had so sorry. much fun being on Costa. So that's sorry. it. I just was. was a great job.
1: That's awesome. So, in, in anything, what, one on one or not? I I'm just curious to know what you would say is the thing that you're best at, as far as storytelling or using media to create something. Where do you shine the most?
3: Oh. Well, I'm good at coming up with either names of characters or names of shows. I've helped Dan, I think, but he might not admit it that I'm good at that. I'm good at dialogue. I'm really good at dialogue and dialogue is hard. I learned from like Kevin Smith and like John Hughes like I always felt like when I hear a conversation and it's something interesting, I'll go home and write it down right You know what I mean I'm like I, I try to keep my ear open for interesting things. One of the most interesting things ever was I was in a bookstore and I was pretending to shop but listening to two people have a conversation who hadn't seen each other in a long time and it was like fascinating. I didn't know these people but their conversation was so engaging that I just couldn't break away. I had to listen to this and that sounds a bit creepy but it was like one of those things where I just love natural dialogue and it's something that I strive for in my own writing but it is incredibly hard even for me. Right. Uh, But I think that's one of my my best skills well I mean that does that Sorry. is that the same or do you want something outside of writing
1: no I mean I'm that's one of the most crucial things I think uh, as far as like resources for people who make shows for 101 the story circle in the realm of writing is one of the most looked at things by people coming to 101 or can I say something about that no yeah sure
3: the story circle is such a good guide but it's not necessary you don't need it All you need is a story that is entertaining and your character has to go through something and come out with something more. That's it. That's really all you need to know because Dan's story circle – Ridley's said this before. I don't know if he's publicly said it. He hates that story circle because he doesn't (laughs) like that you have to do these things at certain points. He says you can mix them up. Oh, for sure. So I think it's a good guide. I wouldn't say it's the, the be-all, end-all. John Truby is a great fucking sitcom professor. Like he's a guy who writes books about story. And I'd say he's a lot more helpful than Dan just because he has something called six-point um, opposition, one character being uh, like, a, like a sort of like everything he does just bounces off him and every character reacts to it. I just think that I like Dan's story thing. But he doesn't explain character, how to write characters. And characters are basically all revolving around one basic goal. And that John Truby book is great. It's called Anatomy of Story. But that really helped me out.
1: I think the reason that I hail writing is, and I think we talked about this already, like I've put in thousands of hours on stage performing. I've put in a million hours Uh editing and audio production and soundscaping for fun. But writing... Is something that's new to me in in a beautiful way. And I'm I'm on my knees taking in the enjoyment of writing. I that's that's what I get to explore. The rest of it is just like like nonsense. Oh, okay, I gotta get the sound effects. Writing a story is brand new territory for me. So for you to say that like where you feel like you shine the most is like writing that that's good. Cause I'm gonna abuse you sharing that with me by saying like Abed, do you want to collaborate sometime, nondescript future, on a Frequency One show with me? And I, I hope to say yes.
3: Sure. <laughs> There's nothing to stop us. I, I think because the joy of it is working with people and trying to, like, I guess you learn something from each uh, experience. Right. I mean, I learned from Savon, I think he learns from me. And I think that's the best, is that I learned from Ridley, you know, working with him for so long. Acosta too. I also love working with They're, those are pe- and Chilean. There's those are people that like, I think you have the same sensibilities that you can kind of reach an interesting level. And then you can you can take so much from that experience that's going to benefit you. Yeah. Oh, Fulcher too. I'm, I, I write with him. And he's great.
1: What you just did is perfect for something else I wanted to ask you. For, like for those who know you best, what do you think is something that is true that they would say about working with you?
3: Uh, I guess they would say that I've heard Chilean say this, that I, there's no one like me, that my voice is unique, that you can't replace me. Cause I've always felt that I'm replaceable. I know there's people better than me who are more successful and I don't want to say names, but I'd still, I've heard that I'm different and I'm unique, and that I bring something that no one else has. So that's, that's very interesting. And I love, I love to hear that cause I don't know that. Right. When you're writing, the sad thing is that you are replaceable. Because if I was an artist, you can't really copy what I do. Right. You can imitate it, but you still want to hire – I want to hire this guy because he drew – I mean, he draws He draws like Barry Windsor Smith. No one else can do that. With writing though, people in, L- in LA are really like fickle. So it'll be like even though I wrote on Rick and Morty, it doesn't matter. Like they're going to hire someone else. Either because they're younger, or someone knows this person, hook them up. Because writing's kind of like you can sadly get away with being a bad writer in this town. You can fail upwards. You know why? Nobody wants to fire you. People here are too nice. <laughs> uh, this, that's an ugly thing, I'm telling you. But I've gone so long without work, where I was like frustrated, but also you learned a valuable lesson. I think that you are replaceable. That you're not the most important person in the world, that uh, there's always someone better. I learned that when I was a kid because I wanted to be a basketball player. And my mom said I couldn't be. She's like, you're not tall enough. There's like 20,000 Michael Jordans better than you. And uh, yeah, so I gave up on basketball.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't really have anything good to say on that, but I hear that. Like, I feel like... From, in you my know what the thing is? Like, yeah.
3: I think once you get over yourself, once yeah. you accept things only then can you be open and receptive enough to be a good writer right because you're going to be focused you're going to be you're going to be going i have to be better than seven of those people how do i do that yeah. and you will do that you will you, you will have perseverance you will have dedication so that's why i'm a better writer today than i was last year
1: i will definitely say that for me with frequency 101 or as i sort of came at out of the word work two people in 101 with the songs the tribute songs. I've done that thing with music, and I think I told people about this where my journey with music died when I reached the peak of feeling like it was never gonna be worth doing if I couldn't be seen by others as amazing. And then what I would add to what you just said or put out there is that maybe this is true, maybe I'm just talking out of my ass, but the idea that you make you'll make your best shit when when it has nothing to do with whether or not others are deciding whether it's the best anything. That's, that makes no sense at all.
3: No, it does. I came, I just said that with like House of Cosby's is like, when we didn't think about anything but ourselves and our in our insulated world, we made good stuff. The minute it got popular and we kept thinking we have to please everyone was when things fell apart. You, hit, you nailed it, exactly. I think you can't make stuff for other people because you'll never satisfy anyone. You have to just make this because you believe in it and it's something that you're passionate about.
1: I won't say it doesn't feel good when you told me like the the episode that I made was good. Like it is vital to know that others are listening, but I think that doesn't take away from, from what we're saying about don't make it for that, but it's still, yeah.
3: Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. It's it's, because there are people like there's a lot of people. They need validation to continue now more than ever. And that's what they live on. And I just don't, I've been there, done that. That is only going to lead to heartbreak and mm-hmm. disappointment. What really gets you in the right zone is making yourself happy first. Because then it's like if people respond, it's even better. I don't know. It's it's a Zen thing where you have to just live within your own love and passion. And you have to let it surround you and, and hug your soul kind of thing. Right. And that should be your, your – your muse. I, I I don't know. I mean, I don't have all the answers. Okay. <laughs> I don't really have it all together myself. So I'm not saying this is like it. This is what you got to do. I can only share with, with what I've experienced and not something you should follow completely, but you should look at what I did and say, well, there's something interesting.
4: by now.
1: Exactly to what you mean, like meta 80s sitcom parody, like that's obvious. Yeah, but you haven't seen me do it yet. And I'm having fun. Charles and Chesty.
3: You know what I like about your show is you understand the format so well. Like there's very little that you have to communicate because we're already like, oh, it's a three camera sitcom. Oh, I get it. I get it. here's yeah. this character and they have to do this. I know that world so well that like I think you did it really quickly and really um, and, 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 and with Flair because it's funny. It works. I'm like, that could have easily been a show right next to <laughs> ALF. You know, it's like, oh, people love the alien invading home shows. Let's do another one. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I guess Solar Opposites is doing that now, kind of. It's like that yeah. sort of works. And it's such an easy format. And, and, it, and it communicates easily. It's what frequency is all about. Because when you're in the, vis- the audio, not visual medium, there's so little time there's so much challenge to make it connect with your brain you have to do little things to trigger those what we know and what we understand right and i think you did that well i appreciate that
1: as, as far as like reacting to things that you make retrospectively or analyzing or self-criticizing just in terms of like the work itself Is it hard not to want to tweak something as you're re-listening to it or to want it to be forgotten? Uh, And how do you approach saying with something that you're working on, so this is finished, enjoy it or not, come what may, I I made it and making it served its purpose. Question mark, I guess.
3: Yeah, I mean, well, you'll never be satisfied. (laughs) I don't think there's, there's, there's an end to how many times you can tweak it. We record Enter the Dark, scratch, crack. We listen to it. And then we see like, oh, that line is not good. We take it out. It's better. We keep doing that. If we spent two months, we would change it so much. At a certain point, you got to stop and be like, okay, that's good. And that's really hard. I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't like my voice. Sometimes I hear my acting and then I hear Matt Johnson and I'm like, God, he's so funny. So funny. And I don't like my voice. (laughs) So (laughs) I can just totally see... Like I, I, and I'm like, well, I'm putting myself in the show and I'm writing it, but most of the time I don't want to be in the show. Like I, I love when I have someone talented saying my words, right? you know, and and doing them in a way that I didn't expect them to do it. That's the most amazing part of, of, I mean, we were talking about frequency so much, but that's honestly the biggest thrill is when you write a line and it's delivered so good that you're just pleased as punch. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like the absolute highest feeling, you know, and that's what I mean. Like people like Matt Johnson, like Rich Fulcher, like uh God, who's another one. Jackie's pretty great. Kelsey too. There are times when I don't quite know when I record her, if it's going to be like, that wasn't how I wanted that line. But then every time we're editing, it's like she nails it. It's just got the exact feeling that we want. She'll just have one or two takes that are perfect. So it is like that. It's like, I don't even know if I'm answering your question here. Uh, well, it I, I doesn't matter. Like- I,
1: do, I can relate to that for my, my experience making this last episode. Like I fucking love everything they yeah. do and to hear them, like, I, I think like t- polishing my turd. And and I, when I say turd, I mean what I think of my ability to write at this point, which is fine. Cause I'm just excited to yeah. keep doing it. I, I'm just saying like to hear, the stuff elevated by their performance, which was hard for them not to nail, because I wrote it for them anyway. I, it's it's an amazing feeling. So I, I also know do
3: you feed, Do you find it? Did you write that for KP in mind from the beginning?
1: I, I don't think it was based on anything that she's done, other than I love her performance so much that I just felt like her natural skills would have nailed any character that I could write, whether it was my little sister or my boss the Agent Cooper detective uh, send-up that I wrote, I was totally thinking of Lars the entire time. Uh, Nipple-sucking aliens. Did you ever Have you seen that?
3: I, I've never seen that. But I will say a very good writing trick. Not a lot of people know this. Maybe they do. When you write with someone in mind, then, then it's a lot easier. Yeah. Because then you know, oh, this is what this person would say. Because when you're trying to figure out dialogue or what, how a person's going to react to something... It is so hard because you're like, you want it to be funny, but it has to make sense. Right. When it's someone, you know, it's like easy. Cause then you put them in that situation, and you know what they're going to say. Mm-hmm. We feel that way with Matt Johnson. It's like, we're huge Nirvana, of the band fans. Mm. So we just know how his, his Matt Johnson's going to react to something <laughs> because we, we had one episode where he praises Jesus. And I was like laughing. Cause I'm like, like I could just see him on the show doing that. You know what right. I mean? Like, like you find out he loves God. It made us laugh because we're like, that line was actually worse. It was like, praise Jesus, be he is the king and, and I am, am, the, am the worthy. Like I wrote a bunch of like, like almost like he's saying it like he's in church. Right. You know what I mean? Like mindless, like get gobbledygook. And <laughs> Savon laughed. He laughed at all of it, but he cut it in half. He's like, right? about half of this is all
0: right. <laughs>
1: That could probably elevate the yeah. writing experience, too, because when you're thinking outside of what you would play the character as, suddenly what the what the character's saying is elevated. I'll tell you another
3: secret that when we first started recording was like, you know what? I'm reading this script thinking this is Jerry from Rick and Morty. That's a good tone. That is a great tone to stick to. And then he just kept reading it like it's Jerry. You know, just the fucking boring white guy, cowardly, kind of pathetic, yet with a heart of gold kind of Mm -hmm. attitude. Like, we'll get it done, even though I don't know what I'm doing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So listen, we're coming up to the hour. It's probably almost four where you are. Like it's that we're only one time zone away. I will be seeing you later tonight for the context. It's February 28th. It's the Frequency 101 Twitch stream and voter results. Uh, so I, I fail to do this sometimes, but there's a couple questions I like to ask at the end of, of anything just to have a shtick, a podcasty shtick. Did you hear the one with Callie already? I haven't heard it yet. It's a two part. They're, they're, they're related questions. Why am I explaining? One of them is what's the worst thing that someone could say to you specifically about you?
3: Oh, uh, I don't know. I've heard it all. (laughs) (laughs) I guess the worst thing is when they say that that I exaggerate and that everything I say a specific person said this once that like nothing I say is true you got to hold it with a grain of, or a, with scrutiny or something you know what a lot of people do that pretty much everybody does that yeah so when I when I hear stuff people say that about me I'm sort of like uh, th- there's so many people that have it worse than me you know cuz like we're not all 100% we all can't remember everything completely right Right. sometimes though to make something interesting I have to exaggerate but I learned that from Orson Welles <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, I, he was I'm, worse I'm, than me actually there's a good Obi-Wan Kenobi quote from I think Return of the Jedi a uh, lot of the truths I'm doing am Irish cling to you is uh, a lot of the truth this week cling to depend greatly on our own point of view
3: why am I doing am Irish I remember that scene that's where Luke's like uh, wait a minute you lied to me you said yeah. Darth Vader murdered my father. Yeah, that's like the best scene <laughs> cuz he's yelling at a ghost. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Let's reverse that. What is the best thing that someone could say to you
3: about you? I guess the best thing would be I heard this recently and it was like a good friend and they said, "You know what? If I'm at a party and I don't know anybody, you're the one I could talk to and feel comfortable. Like you're the, you're just easygoing and you and and I love talking to you cuz you're you're always fascinating and I just know I'm comfortable around you. That made me feel good because I feel that way all the time. I have anxiety where I feel like I'm either bothering someone or I'm not getting the hint that I should walk away. You know, right. if like two people are trying to make out and I'm just standing there talking about Star Trek, they're probably like, will this guy fucking leave so we can make out? It's like, I don't want to be that guy. And so when I hear that people enjoy my company and they they find value in it, then I feel good. Right. I feel like I'm doing something right.
1: Well, retrospectively, my response to that is if I could, I mean, we're just getting to know each other. So this is going to be super weird for for you to hear. But like, if I could go back in time, (laughs) and we could have each other at least as one person to talk to at every party that I ever felt out of place at or exactly what you just said. Like just there's social cues I'm supposed to be picking up on or I'm talking too long. Uh, it's a weird thing about introverts and extroverts. Fuck. Um, I, I, I certainly enjoy talking with you, man. I, I appreciate you coming on the podcast and just being you. So thanks, man.
3: I'm very flattered. And uh, I've, I've done a lot of podcasts, but it's great to talk about this stuff. You don't get to discuss these kind of things very often. No, it's true. You know, they're not all rosy. You know, they're all kind of, they're all deep and, and a little bit scary, but also like fascinating because you want to hear it all. You don't want anything coated. You know what I mean? My <laughs> like, nose was running like crazy.
1: I don't want to ramble here, but like this kind of conversation like this was the conversation or the vibe that i was always mistakenly going for with my friends when i went out to the pub and they were always like oh i just yeah i'm just here to talk for two minutes tops about sports weather, politics or something while i scope out which girl i'm trying to go home with and you're trying to ask me about how i feel uh so i'm just gonna politely step backwards while you're yeah sorry
3: You know, the best experiences I've had with girls weren't, like, making out and, like, massaging or whatever. We're, like, like sitting somewhere alone, talking for the whole night and just, like, bonding, you know, with someone, their personality. Like, that's way more attractive. But, like, talking about that kind of stuff.
1: I do want to conclude this, this uh, chat that I'm recording. By reminding people that they should listen to Frequency 101 and, and listen to all the episodes with Enter the Dark. These are fantastic, fantastic shows. I, uh, I, I'm i so glad to hear a monthly five-minute thing that you've created or are acting in. And it's fantastic work.
3: Thank you. No, thanks again. This was great, Todd. I had a good time.
0: Thanks for listening to another episode of The Todd Donald Show. Starring, produced, and edited by Todd Donald The piano music and the rap is by J.P. Sunga Who you can find at jpsunga.com The theme music is Mackie Alkino By William Chernoff Find him at chernoff.band And I'm Milo Axelrod Todd's favorite bar none human voice And I'm not bragging, he wrote this If you'd like to hear more of my voice Check out my podcast, Describing a Rock in which I describe some rocks. You can find it wherever you listen to podcasts. Please support The Todd Donald Show by sharing it with anyone who might enjoy it. Follow and interact with at ToddDonaldShow on Twitter and Instagram. And if you feel like going the extra mile on iTunes, please subscribe, rate, and review, preferably in its favor. Have a great day, friends.